JPK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in Tim Lacombe, jazz radio analyst and former BYU and Utah basketball staffer. Tim, good morning. Good morning. Gosh, that was, that was more like it. <laughs> Tim, who are we listening to? Listening to, to me. Yeah. That's me. That is the party hounds, the hounds of partay, <laughs> if you will. So we're just waiting for our, you know, COVID to go, but I've already got the tour ready. It's it's called Release the Hounds. Um, you know, from our from our cage that this pandemic's caused. Who let the Are hounds you know? out? <laughs> well <laughs> Yeah, you're always you always got a snide remark, don't you? <laughs> I've been told that I have to see you in concert, that you have the persona. It's a remarkable transformation from college basketball assistant coach turned NBA radio analyst Tim Lacombe to rock star. But I have been told, like, you're the real deal. You totally make the transformation. And I was told this 100%. Okay, it started with a little bit of snide shot because we're guys and that's how it is. But it ended with, seriously... You have to see this. He's really, he's got it. He's got it. Well, that's very kind. Yep. And um, I feel as though I do, you know. So let's, we just got to get this thing cleared up and then we'll have a big party. Well, I'll get a vaccination when I can. So I understand yeah, that's too. still a few months away. But uh, when we get there, yeah. uh, I'll roll up the sleeve and. I would imagine you'll you'll be before me because you're older. You two are older. Uh, so see, see how you. I are. mean, we'll wait our turn. Yeah. All right, let's get to it. Enough of the happy talk, Tim. When you are doing the pre-half and post-game, and you watch the Jazz play like they played for the with the Nets for a couple hours there, or let the Nets play while they went up and got dragged up and down the courts, uh, don't you really look forward to the post-game show at that point? That's going to be a good time. Yeah, um, it, it it was really difficult last night to have, you know, really, honestly, to find anything positive out of last night. Um, I don't think there, at the end of the day, I don't think there was anything. Um, the, you know, the interesting thing is Quinn, Quinn you know, from being former coach, he, he burned those two timeouts really quickly after really tough shot selection on one end. And then, you know, the old Matador defense. And it just didn't, you know, everything that we'd kind of seen leading up to that game would lead you to believe the Jazz were in a pretty good place. I mean, the Spurs did beat the Clippers last night. Um, and the Jazz really kind of drug the Spurs around. So, yeah, it was, it was hard, and it is hard. You, you do not want a game like that for sure if you're, uh, you're going to spend an hour talking about it. So, if you're Quinn Schneider, do you make any personnel decisions, alignments, uh, lineups, that type of thing? No, I don't think so. I mean, the, you almost have to you have to look at the the body work as a whole. And I know that they, there was been some inconsistent nights, but I just didn't feel like there was a night where you know urgency and effort across the board was just not great. And I mean, you couple that with. Typically, when you don't you don't play hard, you know you don't really work hard on the offensive end to get what you want, um, and then you know the, the thing just totally gets away from you. 
Um, so I, I don't think you, especially this early in the season, I don't think I think you uh, you almost. I, mean, I don't want to say write it off, but with a game today, it's just something you just got to jump on the next prep and and then you know if there's a trend, if it continues, if then then I think that's probably a time you start looking to to make a move or so. I did like that Donovan Mitchell said we've only played two and a half good games this year out of seven, and that could be a little harsh. I mean, you could sit there and and break the games down and maybe come up with a slightly favorable number, but the point is there have been multiple games that they just haven't been up to snuff. Yeah, and and I totally agree with Donovan there. And and the one thing I feel like the Jazz got a chance, you know, over the the long run because their leadership, the guys that are kind of out in front, I mean, they certainly, at least to the to the media, say the right things. You know, they they put things on themselves. I know Rudy was basically said, "Hey, I I didn't come with the urgency and, and intensity I needed to." Uh, you know, and Donovan said, "I you know this year I played like you know beep and um, so a, at least there's some ownership and accountability outwardly, which is always I think a positive sign. But then you you can't continue." You know, you can't continue to say that, um, you know, if, if in fact the team's not playing great. So you do have to find a, some sort of uh, method to try to get more out of guys. So I don't know that it'll continue, just like I don't know that I can't say who's to say they don't come out and play like they did against the Portland, Portland and the Spurs. But at the same time, you know, we look at it and, well, let's not jump to conclusions and go crazy. It's seven games. When does it become the point, well, all right, we're into the season, and for better or worse, this is who we are? Yeah, you know, typically, I think you really, at least in the NBA, you probably, I mean, you certainly have to get through, I would say, even a couple months um, of the season to really kind of figure out all the pieces and get everything uh, kind of work, trying to work together. Uh, this year's so interesting too, because it's, uh, it's coming off a, a really weird year uh, with a really short turnaround and next to no training camp or preseason. So I think that's part of, of you know, you got to kind of take that into account league wide. And that's possibly why we're seeing so, so many, you know, I mean, you look at the Clippers look, as good as you know as they could look uh, in some of their wins, and then obviously they've they've been completely destroyed at times too, and then lost a close one to the Jazz. So I think it's just early; it's really early. And then with everything pandemic related kind of wrapped into it, it makes for a little more volatile start. Well, certainly there have been weird scores all across the league, and the Jazz have been on both ends of them, but, but there have been many teams who have been on both ends of them. So I get that. I think the frustration for a lot of Jazz fans is, well, it's twofold. One, you just want what you want, and you want to sit down in front of the game and watch the Jazz play well. So there's that. But then I think there's also the fact that because they had so many guys back and because there was kind of a thought that this could happen, but maybe the Jazz, because they had so many guys back, would be a little immune to it or would benefit from it. And if it's just a wash and they're going through what everybody's going through, I think to some fans, it feels like a missed opportunity. And to those fans, I'd say, yeah, you're probably right. What would you say? I, I would, too. I mean, I kind of looked at the, 
at, at the start that way in my own mind, kind of looking at the schedule and the way that it lined up and, you know, thought, man, the Jazz could, you know, if they, if they can play well, it's kind of set up to where they could perhaps even jump out early, you mm-hmm. know, and, and get ahead of the pack. So certainly uh, a missed opportunity in some respects, but I still go back to man, and I say I say this all the time. So I apologize, but it's the coach and me. Um, you know, there. If you've never done it, you know, if you've never coached, if you've never played, you know, uh, at a really high level, and, and you're a fan, the expectation is that, just like you said, you turn your TV on or your Xbox in, in this case, and you want, you know, you want to, you want your team to play well and. They're just certain nights that you think are givens. And as a coach, as a player, you know, you just know, like last night, KD's out. That should just throw a flag straight up in the air because I'm telling you, more times than not, it, it benefits the team that's missing a guy um, because those guys now are on high alert and the other team's like, ah, oh, they're missing their dude. You know, we, we, we're going to be okay. So there's a psychological part of that too that's pretty interesting, um, and you know, unfortunately, last night it really was lost. That game was lost really in the first um, ten, twelve minutes, and or fourteen minutes, and the Jazz, you know, unfortunately lost it because the effort was just not great. So what you're saying then that the Jazz should sit Mitchell tonight? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I, I'm saying the zone should sit Kinahan. Okay. Ah, nice. Give him a one, one nice. segment reprise. I am sitting. Oh, okay. I thought you were one of those dudes that stood at your desk on a treadmill. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> no. I mean, you're so fit. No, for a no. I sit at older gentleman. Oh, 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 nice. Uh, come on, man. That's the standard. <laughs> you need a haircut no matter what generation you're in. <laughs> Have you heard the rumors? <laughs> They're all true. <laughs> oh, what are they? <laughs> Just my hair. Come on, man. <laughs> okay. You're getting ready for the road. All that's right. what's going on, isn't it? You honor code violator, you. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what it is. I think I was suppressed and didn't really quit- have a chance to violate the code for 12 years and so it's just all kind of coming out at once (laughs) (laughs) that would be a cool local band i've been saying that for years the code violators (laughs) seriously that would be a killer name for a a local kind of provo band throw it out there (laughs) well there we have them could be code violators no honor first first cd would be no honor (laughs) no honor Sorry. <laughs> I like where these go sometimes. And then you could, the opening act would be the the opening act would be the tattletailers. Easy, easy. <laughs> the what? The tattletailers. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> and then our first CD would be called Narc. <laughs> <laughs> We've completely lost everyone now. I'm sorry. No, I don't think so. Actually, I think people are able to follow this quite well. <laughs> <laughs> 
You don't rat me out. I rat you out. <laughs> now, now we're going to the Godfather. <laughs> They're hit single. You're the rat. <laughs> In retribution. <laughs> and then we can have the police on the uh, on the uh, card too. <laughs> Get sued for using that. That one's taken. Yes. Uh. <laughs> I've never heard a lower PK laugh this hard. Uh, I think it's your wheezing that's really entertaining us. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, that is one of my I agree. character flaws. And a snort, the sign of real comedy. By the way, if you ever say anything and somebody snorts, they can't get mad at you. I don't care how politically incorrect that was. You laughed. I can't be in trouble. I'm telling you, this 72-game slate's going to be, I can tell it's wearing me down already. Um, in, in, all, in, in all honesty, Tim, and I, you're going to find this out this year, that I thought I understood Jerry Sloan's moods and his post-game, you know, because I... I was there so often, but I really understood his frustration when the, for five years I did the pre-half and post with Pace and Thurl. And you're there for every minute. And you can't, uh, it's not like a road game and you're at home and you can get up and go to the fridge or channel surf between that game and another game and keep an eye on it. But, you know, you really know this one's over and there's, you know, a bowl game on over here or another NBA game on, you know, whatever, on ESPN, whatever. You, you can't do that. You're sitting at the desk and you're totally focused and you're watching it and you're watching it go wrong. And you know what needs to be done to fix it and you can't. And all of a sudden I really got a whole nother level of a coach's frustration. Yeah. It's like, wow. It's like, this would be easier if I could get up and go to the fridge, and I can't. And, and you know, just to kind of sum everything up, I mean, it, getting back to serious stuff, the thing that's difficult, too, is you don't always know what's wrong, you know? Um, I mean, you, you can guess. And even as a coach sitting right there, I mean, you got ideas, but, you know, then you have to start saying, you know, if I make this move, then what? You know, it's like playing Jenga. If I pull this one out, what's going to happen to everything else? And so there's a lot of thought that goes into all that stuff. And, again, I think, yeah, kind of a couple missed opportunities, but everybody has those. Um, the key is really so early, just get playing good, you know, and consistently good. And, you know, don't have the peaks and valleys and try to level that thing out. And There's going to be a couple dudes that we're not talking about yet. They're going to probably play some and, and get a chance, and and then we'll see, you know, kind of what that does to help shore things up. Well, me only got to play, and I'm. We've heard we both PK and I have been told, watch out. We don't know what this guy is going to do or how he's going to do it, but he looks like a guy who's going to do something, you know. So how he fits in the rotation, what he provides, when this happens, all question marks. I got. I'm honestly, I got no idea. But we have both been told, mm, watch this guy. Have you seen something out of him? Is he one of the guys who maybe comes in and, and has a different role by the end of the year? I, I like him. I, I think um, I think he's a guy that can can really kind of guard the perimeter and and then make open shots. You know, so you're three and D guy. I think I think he could could possibly help. Um, I haven't seen enough of him, you know, at this level to. But but what I have seen, I've liked. And, and I've, I'm pretty high on him, I think. Um, but that's going to be interesting, you know. But there's also parts of, of, of Shaq Harrison that you kind of look at and say, 
you know, I, I like the way he moves and he's able to easily get into the paint. So it's just really kind of as the season evolves, you know, what roles needed and, and who can step up and help. What tack did you take as uh, if you're the coach, Quinn Snyder? Say that again. What tact do you take as far as, you know, what's your approach to the team right now? Well, you know, I think so much of that is the relationship you have with them. And just from a distance and kind of like DJs, you know, watching it, you really do begin to watch even beyond the game and body language and the way guys respond. And, and what I see is very, very positive always. So my guess is that I think Quinn can have um, – an authentic relationship. I don't think it's one where he has to go in there and yell and scream. Um, and I, but I think that, you know, there's probably some stern meetings and, Hey, these are things we've got to get better at. I do know. And one thing I've respected is I think the jazz have, you know, always had a team that competes uh, for the most part. You know, there's been different guys in different years where it's been more or less, but I think, that's kind of a non-negotiable with this organization. I think you, you're going to compete. Um, so I think what I think the, the answer to your question, PK, is what kind of relationship do you have with your guys? I think uh, sometimes as a coach, when you don't have answers, that's I think when you yell and scream and just try to scare the answers out of the group. Um, but my guess is that Quinn's probably a little more measured and, um, you know, maybe – if there's issues individual with guys, I think he can probably have pretty, you know, crucial conversations with guys and get through it um, and get what he wants out of it. Well, Tim, it's the Knicks tonight. May you have a happier postgame show. Thank you. I, I just want to know what's the over-under on how many times Yawk said, let's go to break. <laughs> Actually, it was only one this time. Okay. And probably during my wheezing and snorting, I would assume. No, he enjoyed that tremendously as a, as a guy who's oh, okay. married to a, a BYU uh, varsity scholarship athlete, softball player, right, Yak? Yeah. And as a guy who goes there and has had family members work there, no, I so think he, that he, that discussion that. was okay. in his wheelhouse. I think I think that just Perfect. put on the air stuff that has been discussed around the Hatch family table in beautiful Orem, Utah. Yeah, he, I kind of started to see a promo develop, you know, maybe put uh, you two guys in in uh, some rock and roll attire, maybe some leather, you know, some chains and hanging from around your neck. And uh, you could be the the code violators. Oh, I, uh, that's the way I'm dressed right now. DJ in chains is exactly <laughs> what we need. I went to UC Santa Barbara. I've been training for this for years. Oh, you guys are great. I went Thanks to ASU. You had to have that before you got yeah, in. That was part of the entrance test. <laughs> That's true. Check, 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 and check. All right, Tim, we will talk to you again. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll hear you on the game tonight. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Tim Lacombe joins Jake Scott, and they do the Jazz pregame, halftime, and postgame. The game in New York tonight is at 5.30, so the pregame starts on the zone at 4.30. And the Aggies are playing tonight as well. Scotty G with the uh, Utah State-New Mexico game, Mountain West game from Lubbock, Texas, a neutral site. New Mexico moved their football to Vegas, and now they're moving basketball to Lubbock. Uh, 8 o'clock, CBS Sports Network, and Scotty G will have the pregame show at 7.30. So a full night of basketball right here on The Zone. DJ and PK, everything you missed in this show, we'll get you up to speed next. Stay with us. 
Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. I'll tell you this. I once went on a vacation away from my girlfriend, and I really missed her. And I was in a really good place. Really good place to find. It may have been an island somewhere. How old were you? I was in my early 20s. So you were taking paradise vacations to random islands in your early 20s, while the rest of us are <laughs> taking every nickel we can out of the couch cushion to go buy food? You're well, off no. to Tahiti? No, I was working. I, 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 had, you know, I went there to you know help construct something. I'm lying. I'm lying. That part was a lot. <laughs> yeah, you're but not doing any Habitat for Humanity trips. <laughs> the Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. And now, without further ado, the 2020 winner of the Heisman Trophy is Devontae Smith of the University of Alabama. First off, I would like to thank God without him. No, this would be possible. Congratulate all the finalists just to be in this situation with you guys. Y'all are great athletes. And just to be a part of something like this is truly a blessing. The Heisman Trophy goes to Alabama's Devonta Smith, not a quarterback. Good thing I didn't gamble on this. I'd have lost a lot of money. I was sure it would be a quarterback. I got to admit, I, I went from 100% sure it was going to be Trevor Lawrence at the start of the season. That started to ease up as... He missed games, and other guys put up big numbers. But I still thought it was going to be a quarterback. But PK, if it's not a quarterback, then who is it? It's an Alabama player. I think three times in the last 20-some years since 2000, it hasn't been a quarterback. In all three, it has been Alabamaans. Well, that seems to be a little bit of a trend that jumps out at you right there, doesn't it? Derrick Henry got himself a, uh, a Heisman Trophy before he went off and started Putting up 2,000-yard seasons in the NFL, so there you go. Uh, who's yeah, the other we've guy? really Is created a class Ingram? system in college football now. Yes, absolutely. There, it's definitely stratified. And how do you move up a level? That's bothersome. Yep. And will, uh, will it only change uh, with Nick retiring? No. Just be somebody else? Well, who's to say it won't still be Alabama? I don't know that. I mean, Ohio yeah. State hasn't really missed a beat from Urban Meyer to Ryan Day, honestly. No. So, it, it's, you know, Saban has built this empire, no doubt about it. But uh, I don't know who the next coach would be. Uh, but it, you can't dismiss that it won't con- – roll tide won't continue. Yeah, you know, we talk about uh, what league is really good, and that is really uh, misplaced because – Inside the leagues, it's completely stratified also. You know, Ohio State is working on four straight conference titles, and Michigan hasn't won anything in like 15 years. Uh, even then, they shared it, I think. Um, it's, it's really gotten locked up. Bama's done the same thing in the SEC. Clemson even more so. Clemson and Oklahoma in their respective leagues. Uh, I think the SEC at the top, I think it's extremely top-heavy. And so there's other teams there. Alabama obviously is leading the way, but we just looked to last year with LSU, and Florida had their run, certainly, and who's to say it can't come back? And uh, Auburn, who else am I missing? I'm missing somebody else, aren't I? Georgia. Georgia's obviously been very very good themselves. Uh, When you look at conference titles over the last uh, nine years, Bama has had six, LSU won, Auburn won, Georgia won. Florida has won a conference since 2006. 
But I guess you can argue they're close enough at the top, and there's hope. And we often talk about yeah. hope is what you're really selling. You know, there may be, in a given year, six or eight or ten MLB teams who think they're going to win the World Series. And obviously, the Dodgers have been one of them many years, and they just got their first series in 32 years. But along the way, they draw close to three million fans a year because <laughs> there's hope. Yeah, what have they won? Eight in a row now. Eight they're, division they're titles. Starting in a row. to get up there in the Braves with those yeah. Bobby Cox and well, I think Lavin the, and Maddox. And there guys. are other places in sports where you see it stratified. You know, in baseball, okay, the NL West, and maybe the Padres will change the status quo. Maybe the Dodgers will go out and make it nine in a row. Um, but in San Diego, they're thrilled because there's hope. You know, and, and there hasn't been hope for a decade. It's the same thing with the Suns and the NBA. There wasn't hope for a decade. Now there's hope. Hope is a beautiful thing, and I think it's far more valuable than a championship. The Miami Marlins, mm, Florida whoa, Marlins before. Whoa. Yeah, I know, right? More the, valuable than a championship? The Florida Marlins have had two World Series in 25 years. That is far above the norm. But they have not cashed in, and there's zero passion around that team because they've only except, had hope. They made the playoffs this year. They did, but they haven't had hope five times in 25 years. They have had a okay. lot of hopeless seasons. Would you rather have with- had the Statues win one or two titles and go out in the first round every other year? Well, I think that the, that's one argument, but I think the better argument that Miami is a one-off that has not been replicated anywhere else in sports. It, it really is the outlier. Well, yeah, but it's, but it's everybody ownership else who has, choosing that, though. Yeah, everybody else, but everybody else who has championships. The, the Dodger story is far more common. You got one title, but you got 20 years of hope. The Cubs have one title, but they got 20 years of hope. Miami, the Marlins are really a freak yeah, show of a history. the Cubs having 20 years of hope. They always have hope. It might be completely misplaced. Well, if they always <laughs> have hope, then everybody always has but hope. But they have hope. Uh, they've certainly had hope the last six or seven years. Actually, I don't think that that matters. I think that's been the knock against the Cubs. The too, Cubs mu- fans. too much hope, not enough. No, money. no, I don't think there has been. They don't care about hope. They just care about going out to the oh, ballpark, going to getting plastered, mm, yeah. having a good time. Yeah. I mean, just you skip go. And work. It's just about skipping work. Let's you go. go it's amazing to me. You, they got a one one ten start at nine o'clock. You think the game is starting in fifteen minutes? <laughs> the times that I've been there, which is I think four times. Ferris Bueller's day off, baby. That's and the city it was setting. Every, everyone is having a great time. You wonder, is there enough emphasis there? And now you wonder for them, well, they got theirs, so everybody alive is good to go. <laughs> 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 they don't, they're not the Red Sox. They're like, hey, could you follow it up in four or five years with another one? They did, obviously. Yeah, the Red yes. Sox have done that a few times now. I think two more times, right? Yeah. They've got at uh, least three, yeah. So you wonder if uh, what what's going on there. Because now they're talking about uh, they well they already sold off got one guy basically yeah. well, not sold them off but made a trade and some the diehards maybe but you wonder generally speaking and I think that's to bring it full circle I think that's the issue with college football man and I don't know that it's ever going to change the reality is we on this side of the country and I'm a bicoastal guy now and have been for an obviously for a long time so literally lived within footsteps of both oceans. Uh, to where the passion just isn't there. The the desire, the win-at-all-costs type of thing is just not there on this side. So will it ever be accomplished? You wonder, because there isn't that I absolutely demand it 
And if you don't do it, I'm going to do this, this, and this. Whereas on that side, well, your whole identity is wrapped up into it. And it's just it's who you are. There's, there's a lot to that. I think there's multiple reasons for why it's evolved that way. The two teams in the West that could do it because they have that mentality are USC and Oregon. USC because we're a USC and it is our birthright and we shall do this. And you have to be around USC fans. I mean, Utah fans, if you think BYU fans annoy you, BYU times 100, and you start to get into the USC neighborhood. Well, they remind me of Democrats today, just running around (laughs) dancing on graves. A woman. (laughs) Okay, that's six. Good. That was well done. Um, And Oregon, because Oregon spends the money. And if you spend the money, then you expect to do it. A. Yeah, money matters. Yeah. We got the money. They got the money. I mean, that's really what's happening at Texas, you know? Texas has got the money. They think they ought to be there. Yeah, they're not getting the t- return on the investment. No. But they, they they do have the passion there. I've been there, and I've been there many, multiple times, and the passion is pretty doggone strong. So and the, the interesting— Tradition and all that stuff. The interesting thing is there's so many markets in the West where the college football team has to compete with the NFL. That's a really hard thing to do. Most of these teams, like South Carolina, doesn't have an NFL team. They only recently got a team in North Carolina. You know, so Clemson can be it. Alabama is, I don't know what, a three-hour drive removed from Atlanta? So they're it. You know, do you have to be it? Columbus is obviously two hours from Cleveland and two hours from Cincinnati. They're it. You know, do you have to be the it team? And is that helping Oregon because there isn't an NFL team in Portland? Is that helping USC because they had another big run and there wasn't pro football there? You well, you, then your freaking idiot Chargers should have moved to Portland then. <laughs> Don't get me started <laughs> on the freaking idiot Chargers. Anything they <laughs> we had a perfectly good sh- we got a perfectly good show going here. <laughs> well, I think it matters. I think that's been part of the reason for the Sun Devils slide into thirty years of mediocrity. The NFL arrived, yeah, and it's usually a factor. If anything, it makes you look at what Washington has done and think, good job, Chris Peterson. <laughs> good job. Yeah, you can have your moments. Right. But I don't think Washington sustained greatness. No, uh, Peterson wasn't, I, wasn't there nearly as long as I think they're still living in the past, thought. actually, up there. Yes. Yes, their glory days of uh, a little run in the 80s and another run early in the 90s. Yeah, I and mean, they're a very good program. I'm not, uh, dis- I'm not saying that. But you you talk to some people, and you, you, who have Washington connections, and they, they seem to think a little higher than themselves, and they actually are in the standings. Yes, Getty and Furness on the air as a Washington State Cougar, he will attest to that. Yeah. All right, the football story of the day is about the uh, the whack, and uh, Pete Thamel has a story out that the whack is going to reform as a. As a championship subdivision league and then try to move the whole league up to the bowl subdivision, something we have not seen in a long time, uh, and that Dixie State and Southern Utah will both be involved in that with uh, Dixie State already in the WAC and SUU wanting to leave the, uh, the big sky and go to the WAC to make this incredible move and in what would certainly be a decades-long project. Um, growth in that area, but that's still... Less than a quarter of a million people in the two counties down there. Well, we'll so. be dead. Let's call it like it is. I know, right? <laughs> Yuck! They'll want your tax money, and they'll want your uh, airtime, and your kids, yeah. yeah. When, Yuck yeah Jr., that, uh, when Yuck Jr. gravy trains his way into whatever the media well, looks like then. 
That 50,000-seat retractable that they're building <laughs> just off of I-15 in St. George like they did in Vegas. <laughs> Dixie State. No, we like the 10 p.m. kickoffs because it's finally cooled off to it, 98 degrees. It won't degrees. even be the way we're going. It won't even be called Dixie State anymore. No, it won't be. No, it'll be uh, – they'll have to come up with something else. Southern Utah's already taken. Uh, let's see, other things we had discussed today. Spent a lot of time talking about the Jazz because that was an awful game. The Nets win by 34. Kyrie Irving made nine straight shots to start the game. Many of them were driving layups. He was beating his man, usually Royce O'Neal. He was, uh, if it was a pick and roll, there was uh, no help. There was no Rudy at the rim. Uh, it was bad. <laughs> it was just bad. There were too many soft turnovers. Uh, we can go down a list. There wasn't enough energy. Uh, just keep checking boxes. If it could go wrong, it did. Uh, one thing that went right is Donovan Mitchell finally shot the ball. Not in any pressure situation because they were getting blown out, but he had his first 30-point game of the year. Oh, that's good. I mean, it, it's sort of empty. Yes. But, uh, but if it means that he's getting out of whatever shooting slump and issues he's been going through, it's not that he shoot a, a freakishly good percentage, um, but just had it going a little bit. Yeah, and actually that's the least of my worries when uh, I look at this team is Donovan Mitchell's production and his efficiency. He's going to get where he needs to be because he's just that good, and uh, that's something that you can book it. You know, we had for so many years, the statues were so consistent, and I think uh, Donovan Mitchell, when it's said and done years from now, will look back and say the same thing. He's, He's just that good, and he cares. He cares about winning. And that's good to have. I mean, uh, you wonder sometimes if all of them, not, I'm, not, I'm speaking generally, not individually, about any individual team, you know, do they care enough about winning? It seems like this young fella, from what he says, and I have to take it on face value, that he cares about winning. And the good thing is that he grew up following sports and he knows legends are made through winning. Yep. And that's just uh, that's just the rea- reality of it. And then I also want to say that the, they're having that uh, Ty Jordan funeral today, which I, th- I believe it starts at the top of the hour and is available out there on YouTube and supposed to be laid to rest in, in a Utah uniform. And the players are supposed to – they're all down there, I believe, or most of them are there anyway. It's going to be held in the Cowboys Stadium, and they're going to carry them symbolically into the end zone there and all it's very touching and tragic obviously but if you're interested in that i believe it's available uh through youtube you can you can watch it starting a scholarship fund in his name and uh colin his wife jamie donated 100 grand to get that started so yep there'll be people donating to that and establishing a perpetual scholarship in his name so you know as life goes on and it always does in every situation it's almost like particularly because we're not in season Mm -hmm. and we're not in texas it's almost like it didn't even happen. Yeah. It's, hard, it's so hard to grasp and believe. Right. It's not, uh, you know, the the amount of interaction that we had with him versus the amount of interaction we would have normally had with him changes everything. Um, you know, everything is different right now. Uh, but I think it'll be really noticeable when next season starts. It'll be, And for the players, uh, it'll be noticeable today, and it's going to be a very traumatic time for them for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, DJ and PK, we're going to take a break. When we come back, your feedback coming up. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it is time for your feedback. All the stuff you've had to say about <laughs> what we've been talking about today. I do Be- need to say, though, right, right off the top here, DJ. Yeah. Disappointed. K did not send in his daily. This is a very high bar. 
came I know, trying to clear. I know, but yeah. I'm just saying. Uh, so <laughs> this news from Pete Thamel that the WAC's going to make an announcement a week from tomorrow. Uh, football is back in the WAC, starting as a championship subdivision, and then they're going to try to move up t- to a bold uh, subdivision in a few years, maybe a decade or so. We'll have to see how the timeline actually works out. Um, and Arizona Aggie, their response to this news is, that's just one more reason BYU should cancel athletics. <laughs> Thanks for that, Arizona Aggie. I don't get the connection. I think that's just an Aggie wants to take a shot at the Y. We'll have more teams. We'll have enough. We don't need you. We don't like you. Go away. Okay. That's not going to happen, Aggie, a a podcast says. I think the Wax is using that to get someone to join that actually has a football team. So they'll uh, they'll form a championship subdivision league, but they'll never actually move up to the bowl subdivision. Just talk. No, it wouldn't be the worst thing if, if that were to happen. I mean, the Big Sky level, a uh, pretty good brand of football. I mean, I've been a Big Sky follower for a long, long time. And to see guys from Big Sky teams make the NFL is yeah. not really news anymore. I don't know if that's, it's ever been news. It's not really news. The league is always uh, putting somebody into the NFL. And then on top of that, they're always putting somebody into the national semifinals. They're not always in the title game. and They don't always win the championship. We know that. But they always have somebody in the semis. Daniel says, financially, the state of Utah is better off than most states that you've mentioned around the West, because this would be way more football than most Western states support. Uh, So Utah can support more FBS teams. Personally, I have no sympathy at the moment, because I'm in Texas, where we currently have 11 FBS schools and nine FCS schools. Okay, well, California, Texas, and Florida have crazy numbers when it comes to college football teams, but that's because they're the three most populous states in the nation. They passed New York, they passed Illinois, those three are one, two, three. So they got way more people, they got way more teams. You can't really compare a state like Utah, we're kind of in the middle population-wise, to the three biggest states in the country. Uh, we're in the middle, but every indication is we continue to, to move up the charts. Yes. So what's it going to be in 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years? Uh, I read once that 2050, which is now only 30 years off, uh, that we'll be at 5 million people. We're 3.2 now. When you and I moved here, it was about 1.8. So it hasn't quite doubled since we've been here, but we're getting into that ballpark. Uh, you asked earlier about, uh, <laughs> remember when you went off on that tangent about moisture and rain? <laughs> yeah, why is it always moisture? Clint says, because raining threes sounds better than moisting threes, PK. Would that be moisturizing threes? <laughs> moisturizing threes. That sounds sounds like uh, there'll be an ad for that, and then everyone. Will... I don't get the connection there. <laughs> I think he was just, just Clint being ridiculous, trying to make you laugh. Uh, we did have a lot of people also weigh in on the jazz game. Your uh, your take on uh, the jazz performance. And uh, David, speaking to a lot of people, they got it handed to him. And Tony, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, so good against the Spurs, so bad against the Nets. Wow, you know, you may go the entire season, you may go 10 years without two games be that drastically different on consecutive games. Not consecutive nights, but consecutive games. That's crazy to think that, which leads me to believe that uh, there's a pretty good shot that they play well tonight. 
because you played so poor. You played well, then you played you played the best, then you played the worst. So now you do you know, somewhere in between. You know, you're not as good as you were. You're not as bad as you showed. But you're good enough to win. Yeah, I'm. I'm because of the way the game played out last night. That has added an extra intrigue to me tonight. At what's it five five thirty whenever five thirty. Yeah, when and then we have the pregame here with Jake and Tim at, at four thirty. I am very much interested. I have an extra sense, an added layer of intrigue into this ball game tonight. Donovan Mitchell's at home. He's embarrassed. I think he has a good game. They follow him. I expect it'll go well tonight. And I expect that uh, they know Milwaukee's a good team. But I won't be surprised if there's another egg to be laid out there later on this trip, the way things have started this season. I just don't expect it tonight, or really Friday in Milwaukee either. It it could happen, and I'll come back here and tell you as a surprise, because I don't expect it in these next two games. All right, DJ PK, we are done. Hands and Scotty coming up next. We'll see you.